ESPN 97.5 and 92.5 proudly present The Killer Bees. Definitely a fan of The Killer Bees. Don't sweat the technique. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here comes the fastest three hours in Houston sports radio. Here's Joe Blank and Jeremy Branham. Oh, hell yeah. You about to get all stung up. Ooh, what up, H-Town? Hey, how we doing? He's Blank, I'm Branham, and it's a Thursday edition of the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Uh, Joe George Radio behind the glass. Uh, very happy to have you with us. We're very happy to be with you. Uh, Blankers, I was watching uh, some videos on Twitter today, as okay. I often do, and I couldn't help but notice that uh, Jimmy Ward was practicing today for the Houston Texans. I think a lot of people were posting it. Sean Bajani's where I saw it first, and... It's interesting to me, and I know that all concussions are different. Every concussion is not the same. Everybody handles concussions differently. Everybody responds to concussions a lot differently than other people. I was stunned that Jimmy Ward was running around at practice today, uh, did not have a non-contact red you know, penny on. He's full go. Like run, I mean, maybe he was limited or whatever, but he's out there running around and does not have a red non-contact jersey. I mean, he was four days removed for a concussion. I mean, he had the concussion Sunday where he went night-night. He went to sleep. We're 11 days away from C.J. Stroud's concussion. I know that they're not all the same. But seeing Jimmy Ward run around after four days in the protocol, it's kind of weird to me. But the fact that you add another week on top of that for C.J. and he hasn't been around, like he hasn't been on the sidelines, he can't go to you know commercial filmings because the lights are too bright, this, is, this again, is very, very concerning for me. Yeah, it is, Jeremy, and I think it's a product of the fact that, as we talked about yesterday, that it, whether they want to admit it or not, let's just call it multiple blows to the head over a, about a, a four-week period. And and when you have multiple blows to the head and the last one ending with a full-blown diagnosed concussion and you're not out of protocol yet, that should be enough of a warning signal, a red flare, a red flag, and however else you want to make sure that everybody realizes this is of the utmost importance, that I realize everybody's got playoffs on their mind and, and they're worried about you know getting wins. You need this guy around for the long haul. And, and right now, not only does it not look like he's going to play this week, but it adds a lot of legitimacy to what you said yesterday about the fact that there, I would think that there's probably a chance, or at least that it's on the table at some some point on the table, that people are in the in the room that are smarter than us in football going, there might be a chance that he might be shut down for the rest of the year. Yeah, and, and who knows? You know, I think the way that you put it's the best way to put it. Like multiple blows to the head. Like we we can say that we yep. can say that definitively. Like there there's no speculation about that. He's we got had proof. multiple blows to the head. Proof. Uh, we can't say he's had more than one concussion. We don't have proof of that. Uh, we can say he's had one uh, and multiple blows to the head. I think is the the best way to sum it up. I'm not even sure. Like. You know, is this a season ender? Like, I don't know. I, I People heard the D'Amico Ryans answered that differently yesterday. Uh, I know that John Alexander, who writes for the Houston Chronicle, he said that he uh, he took a quote from that and said that uh, D'Amico rules out the idea that Stroud's out for the year. I didn't hear that. Like, I didn't I, hear that. I, I didn't hear a no. I didn't hear a, you know, a, a, a laugh per se. And, and hopefully it's not that. Hopefully he's back next week. Um, but I think to, to me the biggest tell here – is the severity of what Stroud is currently going through. That we have an example of Jimmy Ward, who had a concussion in the past game Sunday, and he's already back running around at practice in a non-contact uniform where we have not seen C.J. Stroud, period. And the latest report we've had of C.J. Stroud is that he still has, not only is he still in the protocol, obviously, but that he still has symptoms, and he's having trouble with like bright lights. So to me, what this tells me is that this is the severity of what Stroud is dealing with, where it's not a minor thing. It's not a, oh, Texans are just being careful. This is, a, this is a severe thing, as all concussions are. But obviously this is more severe than Jimmy Ward's. Yeah, look, I think that we saw it. We saw how his, his head hit the turf. You can get knocked out, but it, it's and we're not doctors, obviously. The, the biggest thing that you can see from the eye test is, like you said, we can all verify we saw there's proof he had multiple head injuries. We saw how his head and hit the turf in, in a very, very hard turf in, in New York, and, and we saw the impact that it had. So you take that and you say, hey, look, if it's a correlation of the last month of all the injuries and this is how it culminated with the biggest blow yet, 
you're not talking about the same thing for a player like, for, for what Jimmy Ward's been through. And yes, it, he did look like he went night night, and he did get temporarily looked like he got knocked out. But when you he didn't he didn't suffer the kind of blows that CJ has suffered three out of uh, out of four weeks. So it goes back to what we've said about the fact that the worst thing you can do in concussions, what all we read and all we've seen and all we've heard about is when you start piling up multiples, when they happen in a short period of time, when every time you get one, the chances of getting another one increase and the difficulty getting them to go away also increases. So you have to be concerned, and because it is the most, uh, the, the utmost, most impactful, important player on a football team, you handle it with even more kid gloves and you say, hey, this is a major concern for us. And I know that playoffs short-term, small window is, that's our goal. But because there's higher aspirations and a longer window of, of expectations and and possibilities and excitement for this kid in this franchise, they can't take any chances. Yeah, see, I think everything's on the table. Uh, I, I think that the range for Stroud here is, I think he could be back as soon as next week, like based on what we know from concussions, like Jimmy Ward was back in four days. Maybe Stroud can pass protocol this week, be completely good to go next week. I think he could also be out up to six weeks. Like Tua's second concussion last year forced him to be in the protocol for the for six weeks, from like Christmas time last year all the way to February. So, like, I think that anything's on the table. I think that the range now for Stroud is one week through six weeks. We really don't have any clear picture of what it's going to be. We know he's not with the team. We know he's still with the protocol. We know he's, he's having trouble with bright lights. We know that he had a concussion two weeks ago, and we know that he's taken repeated blows to the head. Now we just kind of hurry up and wait to find out the latest information that C.J. Stroud's going to present to us or the, teams, uh, or, or the team is going to present to us. So now you kind of look at what does it mean for the Houston Texans this week because they got the Browns, obviously it's a huge game, AFC playoff, ramifications, big contest. Looks like Case Keenum's going to start, I guess. They're, they're not committed to that. Uh, Bobby Slowick says, you know, we're going to name whoever gives us the best chance to win on Sunday. Uh, the Houston Texans Twitter still has Case Keenum as QB3 on, on the depth chart. Uh, but let's assume Case, I guess kind of like how we assumed that Davis Mills was going to start last year. How, how does Case and this offense match up with the Browns for you on Sunday? Um, I, you know what? I have concerns. I think that they've got to be smarter because they're playing a much better defense and a much better team overall, regardless of their quarterback situation. But I think from a defensive perspective, look, they've got guys in the secondary. They've got guys on the D-line. They have players all over the football field defensively. And we know that we talked about the fact that Case got, a, got away with a few. As much as the pick six was a problem that everybody's going to point a finger at, the three of us saw several other throws that you kind of held your breath on going, ooh, he got lucky there. And that can't happen against a defense as good as the Browns because they're going to capitalize, they're going to pounce, they're going to be all over the place. So he can't try to be heroic the way that he kind of did on a few plays, trying to extend plays, dancing around in the pocket. He can't take the chances like the pick six, and and he can't be careless with the football. They have to make sure that every single opportunity is capitalized on, every chance to get points they can maximize to the the fullest, which means he's going to have to play a totally different football game where he's going to have to dial it back as much as it might pain people to hear that so that they have the best chance to win. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that gives them the best chance to win. Like being uber conservative like to me kind of plays into what Cleveland wants you to do because I mean if you're being uber conservative against the number 1 defense in the NFL, how are you going to score points? Well, you can still take chances, but I'm just saying like, you know, Again, eat the foot, eat it instead of trying to scramble around when you don't have the legs of CJ Stroud or the quickness anymore, and don't take a twelve-yard loss, and don't you know try to paint the ball into a really tight window or double coverage when you don't have to. You can still take your chances down the field if they're there, or you know I know they've gotten kind of enamored with every now and then trying to throw the gadget play in there, but I just don't think that he can he can be careless with the football or a gunslinger as much as he was a week ago. Yeah, that's where I'm at, too. Like, he needs to clean up the, I guess, risk he was taking with the football. Now, I still think that they need to be aggressive offensively, but maybe not as risky. Like, like throwing off the back foot and lobbing it over the middle of the field and allowing Dalton Schultz to go up and get a pass that probably should have been intercepted. Um, he had a couple of throws on the sideline, too, like on some out patterns that, you know, maybe that zip isn't what it used to be that, that were almost picked off as well. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I hear you on the you know being a little bit careful with the football um now 
I, I do think that, like you said, you got to take your shots. Nico Collins looks like he's going to be back. I think that that is big for if Case Keenum is the starter, and I would assume that he is going to be the starter, even though they don't want to announce him uh, as, as the starter. But I would I would say that the mobility of Case Keenum is why they went with Case Keenum, though, because it's not Stroud, but it's Case versus Davis, and Case has far more mobility than Davis Mills does. And if you look at a lot of the you know big plays that the Texans got, the touchdown to Noah Brown, uh, the big pass to Devin Singletary on the final drive that set up the long field goal for Kaimi Fairbairn, those were scramble drills. Those were, those were Case Keenum leaving the pocket and, and being mobile. They are. But I would go further than that. I would say that the reason why Chase, uh, that why Case got it in the first place is because of the fact that he has a, he has experience in big games. I think that he's a more as much as we joke about the intelligence of, of where guys went to school. I think that he is a smarter quarterback from the standpoint of being through enough high leverage and big situational games to where he reads defenses a little better. He you know he can anticipate things a little better from his experiences, and I think that he's a more accurate passer of the football than than Davis Mills is in my opinion. Mills has a stronger arm. I think that Cases Cases got a more accurate throwing arm and I think at this point in his career he's smarter with the football though we did see the, the mishaps I think, I think you're sleeping on his mobility a little bit though. Like he it's not as it's not what it once was. Completely agreed. It's certainly not Stroud, but I think that they went all your reasons are valid too. I'm not I'm not poo-pooing on that. I'm not, at all. I'm, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm I'm adding on to what you said saying the, I think those are factors too why they went his direction. Sure, sure, I do too. But whenever we were talking about the first time you talked about like his mobility. I think his mobility was pretty good uh Sunday against the Titans and I think it led to a lot of big plays. Okay, let me let me let me rephrase it then because I believe he still is somewhat mobile. But the fact that he was trying to use a lot of escapability tactics that maybe he did earlier in his career I think that you can be mobile, you can slide in the pocket, you can extend a play, kind of like what he did in the touchdown pass to Noah Brown. The way that he's able to slide and move and, and, and change the, where the pocket is is one thing, but when he decides to go to the left edge and then roll around and try and 360 it back to the right side and gets crushed, I think he can't think about trying to be an escape artist. He can be mobile, he can slide, he can move, but at a certain point that internal clock says, I can't do much, I'm not, I shouldn't do much more than that. Yeah, see, I think that's where their big plays have to come from is, is scramble drill stuff where he can avoid the pocket and get out of the pocket, roll out, and try to get his receivers open. Uh, and I think that you saw that in Tennessee. The Noah Brown touchdown and the Singletary catch were, were examples of that. Now, he did have a couple where he tried to spin out of it and got sacked. Yeah, that's so what I'm saying. Damned if you do, damned if you don't. Uh, 713-780-ESPN-HRP listener line, 713-780-3776. We're on the Twitch, twitch.tv slash ESPN 97.5. He's at Pac-Man Joel on Twitter. Joe's at Joe George Radio. I'm at Jeremy Branham. We're going to do BZ Money today since we're going to be, uh, well, Blankers and Joe will be out at uh, Nick's Place tomorrow, which who knows what's going to happen there. It's going to be a great time. We'll do busy, uh, BZ Money today, continue our Bad Take Boulevard bracket of what's going wrong. Uh, some Major League Baseball odds and where the Houston Astros stack in on that as well. Uh, these Browns home road splits defensively are insane. Are, are we putting any stock in how good Cleveland is at home? but how bad they are away from home. 713-780-ESPN, HRP listener line, 713-780-3776. Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. You know that we put a lot of stock in Hollingsworth Law Firm. Uh, they're the very best if you ever get into a car accident, if you know anybody that gets into a car accident, 18-wheeler accidents, industrial accidents, oil-filled accidents, whatever the case may be, Hollingsworth Law Firm is the place to call. And one of the big perks with Hollingsworth Law Firm is you don't pay a dime until you win your case. That's right, Jeremy. That is so important these days because there's so many attorneys and lawyers out there that are just trying to get into your pocketbook and they've got billable hours and they'll charge you for every phone call and consultation and every time you look for advice. That's not the case with Hollingsworth Law Firm. You get all of the, the benefits in your direction and everybody in your corner. That means they're the best in the business at handling car wrecks. It's their specialty. So therefore, you've already got an expert on your side. But because they don't get paid unless they win the case, they're going to be extra motivated to win for you. You should save their number in your phone because you never know when you're going to get in a car wreck. But when you do, you need someone on your side immediately. And with the Hollingsworth Law Firm, you got someone that can immediately start going down a checklist and telling you what you need, who you should call, and what you should do so that you don't get anything but what you deserve from the insurance company, the other driver, and everybody involved.
There's many reasons to love Hollingsworth Law Firm. They recover millions from these insurance companies, but also you don't want to deal with these insurance companies. You don't have the time to do it. You don't have the energy to do it. Maybe you don't have the capability to do it. Hollingsworth Law Firm does. Write down that number, 713-999-8773. Consultations are free, 713-999-8773. Or just visit them online, carwrecktexas.com. It's carwrecktexas.com. All teams covered. No stalking points necessary. You're back with the Killer Bees on 97.5 and 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios. Blank, I am Branham. We are the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. couple of textures here, 713-780-ESPN. The Texans have surpassed expectations this year. Let him rest the rest of the year. Where do you stand on that, Blinkers? Let's assume he passes the protocol next week. Where do you stand on that response from the texter? Uh, look, I, I think that you got to have a good, long conversation with the, the experts in the medical profession that you trust uh, as an organization, and you got to figure out just exactly what you're dealing with here. It's one thing to say he cleared. It's another thing to consider if he clears and he plays and he gets another one because that's something that we hear about a lot with a lot of different injuries, but as it relates to any head injury, it's obviously magnified by a lot to where if you talk to key physicians that say, look, if he doesn't have another one the rest of the year and then he goes through the offseason and you you assume he won't have another one in the offseason, by the time next season starts, he should be good to go and you know back to where he was. But if they say, hey, if he gets another one between now and the end of the year or at some point in the next month, two months, now you're talking about this, this, and this, now you got to really have a hard conversation with C.J., with everybody internally, and you've got to figure out the best course of action because I don't think you can take the risk. He's a rookie. He's had a ton of success. You're gonna. It looks like this relationship's going to be for a long, long time. You cannot set yourself back for the long term by taking a risk here just because you're trying to make a playoff push late in his first season in the NFL. Yeah, I believe that every NFL team does their due diligence when it comes to medicals. Now, Maybe that's naive, and there's been examples that that's not the case. Look at RG3 with Washington. Uh, I, I would I would expect the Texans to do their, their due diligence with what you just drew up. Uh, if they do that due diligence, due diligence, and then all those guys green light them, green light Stroud. I want I want Stroud back on the football field. If he's green lighted everywhere, if he's if he clears the protocol, if all these medical experts, everybody that you just mentioned green light CJ Stroud, then I want to play CJ Stroud. That's where I'm at with that. Well, and I think that that's the case. I mean, I mean, that's what I'm saying too. If they tell you, hey, look, he's good. He didn't have, you know, however they try to lay it on the table for him, but say he didn't have the first two, or there, we, what we've seen is there's not a lot of this or that that shows us that there might be the, the risk of long term ramifications. You know, the player's going to want to play because there's been plenty of organizations to the point you brought up where you get a general manager and his and possibly who's on the hot seat and or a head coach. And you know the player, the minute he's cleared, wants to get out there and play football. And you part of your job is to make sure, especially with a guy of this much importance to your franchise, that you sometimes have to keep him from himself and say, hey, look, I know you want to play, but we got to be smart here. But there's a lot of guys when in franchises when their job might be on the line. They're not thinking that about all that. They're thinking about, I can save my ass if he plays football on Sunday and I'm going to throw him out there and he wants to be out there. We're good. But... You're, yeah, if they everybody clears them and says there's no long-term ramifications, then it's probably a different conversation. 6087 also can't see D'Amico risking the future of the franchise for first-year wild card. Um, they did use tank blocking in the box, though. Uh, they've been a little bit careless in times with certain players. Zero uh, five one. is it better to risk Stroud to get one game in the playoffs or sit him, miss the playoffs, but get a better draft pick? Texans don't own their own first-round draft pick. They own the Browns' draft pick, so their record doesn't really matter. Uh, it doesn't matter at all to where the Houston Texans are drafting. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. CJ does not take direct hits all the time, but Ward takes and delivers them a lot. Okay, I've seen some of this uh, banter going on on Twitter as well that Ward's used to getting hit in the head. So Ward's better like suited to come back quicker from a concussion because he's used to having his head battered. It doesn't really work that no. way, right? Like it, Science tells you the opposite. Science tells you that if you get concussed, that you're more likely to continue to get them and they become more severe the more you get of them. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And the other thing is, yes, we understand Jimmy Ward plays a position where there's a lot more contact on a play-by-play basis. But we know because there's a blue tent, because there's medicals, because people, sideline reporters and others, tell us when guys are being examined and what they're being examined for. 
And we've already seen with our own eyes how many times CJ's been examined for head issues uh, in the past month. And, and I can't speak for all of Jimmy Ward. and You don't watch it as much. But that obviously has to play in a lot in terms of a lot more in terms of what how you're evaluating a guy with a concussion. Yeah, seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. This uh, this texture five nine one two. The Browns defense hasn't been that good lately. They've allowed thirty six, thirty one, and seventeen points uh, these last three games. Uh, thirty six, twenty seven, seventeen. Uh, to to be a little bit more specific when it comes to that. But I, I get your point. Now, I think that as opposed to the last three games, to me, it's their home road splits that that sticks out. I was looking at uh, Reddit today, and I came across the the splits of the Browns at home and the Browns away uh, from a defensive point of view. Uh, first off, they're seven and one at home. They're two and four away. Okay, that doesn't really tell you about defense, but it tells you they're good at home, bad away. They're not the only football team in history that that has you know records like that at home and away. But they've only allowed thirteen points a game in home games. They've allowed thirty-one points a game whenever they're playing on the road. Yeah. Their yards per game at home two hundred and twenty-three, really, really good. Their yards per game on the road three hundred and fifty-eight. Now, average it all out. Cleveland has the number one defense in yards per game. They have the number one defense in DVOA. So I went and I, I looked to their game by game because maybe there was one outlier, like kind of like Denver still has bad defensive rankings because of that seventy burger that the Miami Dolphins put up against them. Whereas Denver's been pretty good. To Defensively, but that one game just screws up all of their all of their numbers. That's not really the case with Cleveland. On the road, it's been kind of a consistent thing. They gave it 26 points to the Steelers, 255 yards. Meh. Steelers' offense isn't very good, though. They gave it 38 yards to the Colts on the road, 456 yards. 24 points to Seattle, 362 yards. 31 y- uh, points to Baltimore, 306 yards. 29 points to Denver, 294 yards. And 36 points to the L.A. Rams, 399 yards. How much stock... Are you giving, how much value are you giving these home road splits when it comes to the Browns' defense? Are, are you, is this real? Is this fake? Where are you at with this? I think it's the batter's eye. I, I think that in other, in other <laughs> venues, I think the batter's eye is more difficult for them and they struggle. It's odd. It's one of those, it, that's an oddity to me that I'm sitting there as you're reading off all those stats going, well, what, what, how can you put a finger on what that's caused by? I mean, is there a bar inside the hotels they're staying at where the guys are finding a way to get out and late night it? I, I I don't is the food so good that they overload and then they're they're kind of lo- blocked up when they play. That's a bizarre stat that is very tough to put a finger on. I don't know how weather plays into all that and all the venues that they've played in. And I'm just thinking about any variable where you could actually say, well, there's a reason why it might be true or injuries. Because other than that, I I can't figure out how it's, you can say it's, it's that's weird. bizarre. It's 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 nuts. Maybe they're getting signs at home and like. You know, I'm I'm, I'm kind of like half kidding. Mm-hmm. But we know that football team still signs. I'm not oh, going to say that sure. the Browns are stealing signs, but maybe they're stealing signs at home versus whenever they're they're away. Uh, this texture says it's real. Numbers don't lie. The, the the delta there is incredible. I mean, you're looking at a hundred and thirty six yard difference. Hundred and thirty six yard difference. The points per game uh, is incredible. You're looking at you're looking at seventeen points. That's two I'm and a half possessions. I'm not doubting the numbers. I'm trying to find the, the the logic behind the numbers to make sense. Like I believe that there's that big of a of a deficit between home and road. I'm trying to figure out what causes that. Like because normally you can point the finger to you know something along the way. Like I said, injuries, weather, other things where you go, oh, you know what? They've had some bad luck with the weather, or they've had you know that was at a time early in the season. Like you said, maybe they didn't get blown out by seventy, but they had a couple of games where they had two or three key players out. Maybe Miles Garrett and other guys were out. And, and and I'm not saying he, that he was. I'm just I think giving. He's played every game, right? Yeah, I'm saying I'm not saying he was, but I'm saying normally you can say, well, that's obvious because these guys were out, or this happened, or that happened. That's crazy. This point in the year to have that big of a of a margin between your home and your road. Yeah, tell us why the Browns' home road splits are as crazy as they are. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. The HRP listener line seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. It just does not make a whole lot of sense when you look at it, but it is what it is. And maybe the Texans can capitalize off of that. All right, BZ Money. We do this usually Friday. Sometimes we move it up to Thursday. We're going to move it up to Thursday today. Uh, we've made $760 to date on BZ Money. We started with $1,000. we are up to just under $1,800. we have done really well. Last week we pushed. 
Well, we got some games for you this week. We're going to hand out some winners. BZ Money next. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. You know that I like a good drink at the end of the day. I've been telling you for a while now that Gentle Ben is the best. It all starts with the finest ingredients and classic time-honored distilling methods. Gentle Ben uses their innovative process that removes the harshness and heat that's found in most spirits. The result is unparalleled smoothness and an enjoyable drinking experience. You get all the flavor, none of the burn. Gentle Ben takes away the bite, takes away the burn, and it allows for that enjoyable drinking experience. You'll love what's not in Gentle Ben, including gluten. That's right, there's no gluten in Gentle Ben, but Gentle Ben's not going to brag about that because there's no Gentle ben, there's no gluten in any spirits. Did you know that? Gentle Ben offers vodka, gin, straight bourbon whiskey, and cast strength bourbon. All are fantastic. All are in my rotation. What's in your rotation? The next time you head to dinner, go to your favorite bar, ask for Gentle Ben. Look for Gentle Ben at the liquor store. Pick up a bottle today. If you're looking for plans, head to the Gentle Ben Tasting Room in Alvin. I was near Ben's Bar the other day in the Toyota Center. I went to the uh, U of H A&M basketball game, and there, lo and behold, there's Ben's Bar in all of its beauty. So if you go to the Toyota Center, make sure you're getting a drink from Ben's Bar on the way to your seat. Look, maybe you don't like going out to the liquor store. Maybe you don't like going out to the bar. You just want to drink from the comfort of your home, your own home. I don't, I don't blame you for that. Head to GentleBend.com and order straight from the website. You can order your favorite spirits straight from GentleBend.com, have it delivered straight to your doorstep, and enjoy all the great GentleBend. GentleBend Spirits makes the perfect holiday gift for friends, family, and your best customers. They'll love what's not in our spirits, too. Celebrate with GentleBend this holiday season. Give GentleBend and consider your shopping list complete. All right, it's time for you to see how easy it is to take these guys' money. Are you threatening me? Let's get to their picks on BZ Money. All right, he's blank on Bradham. Joe George behind the glass. It is BZ Money. You know uh, you know what the, the Las Vegas handicap guy said about the all-black versus all-white Pro Bowl idea from Rashad Mendenhall? Mm. He put the spread at 24 and a half. Right on your number. Is that what you wanted me to say? I don't care if you say it. No, it was, I, I put it at 24. I was right on it. I was just nailed said. it. I'm a great handicapper. I should work for these casinos. Yeah. Uh, I can I'm, I can be hired. Uh, I have a number. All right, BZ Money. We're up $760 on the year. Uh, last week, we broke even. We were 2-2-1. Two, two, and one. I was winless. Blank was winless. Uh, Joe carried us. Joe was 2-0 and oh in his games. So I only you, had Joe. one game, and I told you all to take Buffalo over Dallas. You didn't listen to me. The other game that you sold to us was Cleveland uh, was minus push. three. In, uh, was it? Yes, it was. It yeah, was a push. push. Okay, it's not a win. doesn't matter. It's not a loss. Okay, so you would have been 0-1-1, the same that I was. I said that we did. I didn't win a game, and I said that you didn't win no, a game. No, I tried to steer you guys on Buffalo, and you guys were adamant on Dallas. So I stepped out. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. So that would have been a win. Mm. It was a blowout. Right. I'm not saying that the game is in question. I, I don't think that you were trying to sell us on Buffalo. I think you were trying to keep us from not playing it. Oh, I said I want to take. Bu- I said I want to take Buffalo. If you guys are both going Dallas, then I'm out of the discussion. Do we have to do this for like every game the whole season? I know. Like I sold Dallas. Oh, see, this is the thing when you guys go. go I'm not. But like we never do this where it's like I picked this game. I picked this game. Like what are we when doing? When we do on point, when some certain things come up like that, yes, it's been brought up before, Joe. But let's just go ahead and proceed. Thank you. All right. What, is, what game do you want to sell to us first, Blinkers? My first one is tonight's game. Tonight's game, I think, is an interesting game. I think it's the Saints at the Rams, and I think it's – I kind of actually used a little of the analytics in this one. New Orleans traveling the majority of the country. It's a Thursday night game. I don't believe in Carr. I don't believe in the Saints offense. I don't believe that they're very talented, and I think the Rams are hot right now. I think the Rams are playing good football. I think Stafford looks like he's getting healthier. I think their defense is capable. Both teams want to stay alive in the playoffs. Rams given four at home. I like the Rams to win this one closer to a touchdown, so I like the Rams in this game. Rams have been playing some good football. I had this game as a... uh... I had Rams winning this game by four. This is one that I personally stayed away from. So I'm a uh, I'm not strongly against it. This is just not one that I will co-sign. I will. I love this game. I, I played this game myself this weekend. I, I think seven might be light, to be honest. I know New Orleans' defense is good, but their offense stinks. Their I offense want... is still at their best when like, Taysom Hill is on the field. So I'm very pro-Rams in this I just one. need Olave to go nuts tonight. That would be... Very good for me. All right, I have no problem playing this game. I mean, it's two two against zero, so how much y'all want to put on it? I mean, Joe, you feel really strong. I just feel like I think that they're going to cover. 30? 
Tw- I was going to say 25, but if go you want to go 30. That's fine. 30 is fine. Go with 30. It's a standalone game in prime time. Put a little 30 bucks on it. Uh, I want I want this game to be a track meet. I want it to be a big track meet. All right, I'm going to sell the first game, Indy at Atlanta. I think Atlanta's going the wrong way. They're going with Taylor Heineke. Like, if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have one. Uh, neither one's very good. Indy needs this. I know Atlanta's still in the playoff race, but not really. They're just in a bad division. Uh, I'm going with the Colts. I think the Colts win this game comfortably, and they're getting a point. Wrong team favored here. Yeah, I like it, too. I like Indy in this game. Obviously, they, they have a lot to play for. Atlanta doesn't. Indy's looking at the fact that they've got a chance to win the division. They're looking at the playoffs. They're looking at a team that's settled in under Gardner Minshew. And I think that they have plenty on both sides of the football that's better than Atlanta right now because I think Atlanta's just playing for you know, going fishing and, and vacationing. And I don't think that Heineke or anybody else, the quarterback's going to make that big of a difference. I know it's a road game, but I like I like Indy to win by at least four or five points. There's, the numbers went up. It's actually Atlanta minus two and a half now. I feel like even more. Uh, I definitely like Indy in this game too. I, I'm very good with this game. Uh, what I think is interesting about it is like Arthur Smith is meeting with the media and he's like, we're going to die trying to get this thing right. It just sounds cheesy, like he's <laughs> lost everything. So I, I'm all over Indy. Whatever number we're using. We're going to go 30 again? Are we using the one or the two and a half, Jeremy? Well, that's what I said. Someone just changed it. It's two and a half. The number right right now is two and a half. All right. I thought we were discussing it. We locked in a number when we were discussing it, but I, okay. I still like it at two and a half. Yeah, I do too. I feel like it more. much of a difference. What are we doing? How much? Uh, 40. 40? Sold. It was unanimous. No, it wasn't. I said 30, but okay. Well, I meant that we're all on the same side. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you can't be unanimous and go with a $30 soft bet. Fair. All right, my first game, uh, I, I believe in Jake Browning. Uh, I believe in Jake Browning, and I do not believe in <laughs> Ma- I do not believe in Mason Rudolph. Uh, he's not a good quarterback. The Pittsburgh situation is just its so bad. I know Jamar Chase is not playing, but T. Higgins showed up last week in a monster way. I think they keep it rolling, get to their ninth win of the season. I like the Bengals minus two on the road. Yeah, I looked at this game early as one that I might pick for BZ Money. I like this game, too. I like where Cincinnati's going. I like the the kind of mojo that they got going as opposed to Rudolph and the Steelers, and I don't care if it's Christmas. I don't bet on Rudolph. I'm going to take Cincinnati in this game, and I think that they're going to win it by, by a good margin. I like the Steelers if the game was on Christmas because of the symmetry. I think that that matters. I think the feng shui of it makes a lot of sense. But it's on the 23rd. It's not even on Christmas Eve. Now, does it not scare you all that Chase isn't playing in this game? I think Higgins is good enough. He showed it last week that they're fine. And between you know uh, Chris Brown, is that his name? The backup running back they're using a lot, and Joe Mixon, I, I, I like Mixon's what they're doing. Fine. I think the other thing, Jeremy, if you've seen any of it, is this whole the backlash off of the, the picking situation and the fact that guys are other guys in the locker room or taking or the running back, I think it is, that actually said, well, I would have blocked for him. And it seems like it hasn't gone away and that there's a lot going on in that locker room, too. I think Cincinnati's, like I said, the mojo and everything else, they're in a better place. Yeah, I just I don't love the firepower that Cincinnati has here. I, I would I would pick gun to my head Cincinnati in this game, but uh, it's one that I stayed away from them. Uh, this is a pass for me. All right, 25? 25, yeah. All right, Blankers, second game. Well, I think kind of in, in a similar fashion to some of the other games we've talked about, Detroit at Minnesota. Minnesota just keeps playing, like you said. You, you don't have a quarterback if you're playing two. They're actually rolling through three now. They're just they're trying to find an answer at quarterback. They look like a team that's going in the wrong direction. Detroit seemed to it right the ship. It's an indoor game, so it's Detroit special. Uh, they should be ready to go and, and shouldn't have any issues, even if it's on the road. I like Detroit beating Minnesota by more than three and a half, uh, and I'm all over the lines. Yeah, Minnesota's kind of like stayed in games, though. Like, they've been competitive in pretty much every single one of their games. They lost to Cincy by three, beat the Raiders by three, lost by two, lost by one. They had won five in a row prior to that. Like, I think it's a pretty well-coached staff. The uh, Lions clearly have the better roster. But Minnesota's kind of—I mean, Minnesota's the playoff race. They've—they've they've fought. They've—they've they've stuck around. Um, they've been competitive. This is one that I don't feel that comfortable about, to be completely honest. Uh, Detroit was unbelievable last week. They've not really been that unbelievable prior to that, though. They've been up and down. This was a no play for me. This is a tough one because I really—I really like Detroit in, in this game, but it's where I just—I still struggle to really trust them. But because. Nick Mullins is the quarterback for the Vikings. I do feel comfortable playing Detroit in this game at like 25. That's fine. For me. There you go. 
25 bucks. Next game I'm going to sell to you is a game where the wrong team is favored. The Commanders are going on the road to the awful MetLife Stadium. Both of these teams are lousy. The Jets can't move the football, but they have a, they have a good defense. The, the Commanders have an offense that can move the ball a bit, but they're very turnover-prone. They're very uh, mistake-prone. But I think the wrong team's favored. The Jets are favored by three points in this game. I think Washington's a little bit better. I think the Commanders go into MetLife and defeat the Jets. I, I really think both teams are hot garbage, but I think the Jets stink a little bit more. Uh, I, I think that you're right that Sam Howell and company and Washington's offense, I think they know they're probably getting a new coach. I think that everybody it's a rudderless ship and everybody's trying to figure it out, but I think that it's been just a dumpster fire for the Jets. So I think Washington's a better football team at this point. I don't feel strongly about it, but I could definitely get on board with Washington. Yeah, I'll roll with you guys on this one if we're taking Washington. I, I mean, I I can't believe we're picking a game which the 32nd-ranked offense with the Jets is going against the 32nd-ranked defense in Washington. I don't really know how that's going to play out on Sunday, but I'm good with Washington and it's Sam the, Howell. It's the movable object versus the resistible force. I think the fact that we're getting points helps. I think so, too. Yeah. yeah. I feel like, worst case, this is a could, push. This, could game, this game could end, like, 12 to 10. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to put much money on it though, because I don't really have much faith in the Commanders. Twenty-five, twenty-five. Okay. Go soft on it because they're the Commanders. Why else would you? Why would you do anything differently? All right, Joe, wrap it up here. I'm gonna play the hot hand that I've been throwing out there. I know that they're playing the number one team in the AFC. I do not care. San Francisco is by far the best team in the NFL. I like them minus five and a half at home. Baltimore flying across the country on Christmas. I think. Yeah, I like I San Francisco right. minus five and a half against the Ravens. I mean, party MVP. I stayed away from this game because I think it's going to be a hell of a game. And I know at certain points, obviously, this is the kind of game where San Francisco is not going to get that dominating win that they've been getting for over a month now. But I look at this game, and I know Baltimore's got the red ass because they think they should be favored. They cannot. Their their minds are in the wrong place. because There's no way San Francisco at home with the way they're playing is going to be an underdog. I like the Niners in the game, too. I don't like the spread, so I was going to stay away from it, but it's up to you guys on what you want to do. Yeah, uh, this was a this was a no play for me, but if I had to pick one side, I would I would have went San Fran. Yeah, I still have questions about Baltimore. This would be a huge litmus test on how good Baltimore really is. Like, if Baltimore can go into San Fran and win, it would change my tone on how I'm speaking about the Baltimore Ravens, but I don't see it happening. Uh, I would send a slight, slight, slight lean to San Fran. Okay, so what are we doing, 25 again? All right. With, I mean, Joe was hot last week, so I feel like we should elevate his game. He was 2-0 last that week. That makes me Maybe nervous. 30? 30? 30's fine. Ooh. 30? Okay. He was hot. We like to play the hot hand. Let's roll. It's not who said it. I know I'm good at this part. I'm good at beasting money, not at who said it. Are you? I think so. Okay. As long as uh, you don't have to calculate our winnings. I fixed that, though. You yeah. did. I, I did Eventually. fix that. Yeah, I mean, sure we got zero. But Jeremy and I had false expectations because of how big we thought we were winning money. Yeah, Yeah, I was just like, this win loss record does not add up to the total profit. (laughs) Yeah, I understand. I I can't. I can't hide from it. I can't. It's it's my bad. All right, we're on the Rams minus four, Cincy plus two, Indy plus two and a half, Detroit minus three and a half, the Commanders plus three, and San Fran minus five and a half. That's BZ money with the Killer Bees. All right, some new odds in the American League West. What do you make of them? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Oh, what can you make of Valencia's Tex-Mex Garage? That it's the best Tex-Mex in Houston. We had it a couple of weeks ago. It is so good. It is so good. The best fajitas, enchiladas to die for, and margaritas that just hit right. Happy hour seven days a week. Who doesn't like that? Weekend brunch deals like penny mimosa refills. That's awesome. Those will blow you away. Also, it's a perfect game day spot. Big screen TVs on the games that you want to watch. Does it get better than Tex-Mex margaritas and sports? I don't think so. Valencia's Tex-Mex Garage, the place to be. Take advantage of their in-house game day jumbo margaritas. These big jumbo margaritas on game day for only $8. Or if you're a beer guy, $1 off draft beer while the Texans are playing. Maybe you're a homebody and you just want to stay home and enjoy Valencia's and the margaritas. We'll do that too. You can hang out at home, order the Valencia's Tex-Mex Garage Fiesta Packs and their margaritas to go. Uh, It's not too late to purchase some Valencia Christmas gift cards, right? We're a few days away. I know a lot of you procrastinate 
2008, last second shoppers. We'll head over to Valencia's, get a $50 gift card, and then get a free $10 gift card for yourself. $100 gift card, you can do the math. Get a free $20 gift card. Stop by Valencia's Tex-Mex Garage, Houston Garden Oaks, Oak Forest on West 34th Street. Free ice cream for the kiddos, pet friendly as well. Valencia's Tex-Mex Garage, it's Tex-Mex from scratch. Welcome back to the Killer Bees Nuts, live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Here's Joel Blank and that Jeremy Branham guy. He's Blank. I am Branham. We are the Killer Bees. All right, there's there's new odds in the AL West. Blank, as you put this in the rundown here, what, what, you, uh, what you thinking here with these odds? Well, BetUS, it's surprising to me that, you know, the, you, you got the World Series champs in the division. Um, that the you know obviously the the Astros took him to seven games before you know to in the uh, the championship series, but I was a little shocked that the I thought everybody would be jumping on the Rangers bandwagon, and I know that Degrom's going to be out, and I know that Scherzer's going to be out till mid season, and I and Montgomery's not signed yet, but I, I was just a little surprised, and I was curious your guys' thoughts that the Rangers weren't either favored or that that margin was going to be high, uh, you know super slim. I wonder how much this has to do with their pitching rotation. You know, Scherzer's out. Jordan Montgomery's going to be gone a while. Like, their offense is unbelievable. Their offense is really, really good. I've even heard some Clayton Kershaw rumors to the to the, uh, to the Rangers. I'm wondering if this has to do with their staff. Like, I mean, if the Astros have better odds than the Rangers do, then Vegas thinks better of the Astros roster than the Rangers roster, which isn't completely shocking to me. Like, the Astros, if you just look at the, the division last year, one, they won the division, and they did it with – missing Jose Altuve for 60 games. They missed 40 games of Jordan Alvarez. Um so this doesn't this doesn't come as a surprise to me. Uh, I would I would if I was handicapping it, I would have had the Astros as the slight favorite over the Rangers as well. And it is very slight. They have the Astros at plus 140, they have the Rangers at plus 150, they have Seattle at plus 250. My biggest takeaway of seeing this is more that Vegas kind of confirms my thought that the Astros roster overall is better than the Rangers roster. See, I look at it and I point, as I stated, I pointed it like you, I pointed it at the pitching, but I look at that lineup and then finding some of the guys that they found and they're going to be healthy now. And the guys that they lost for extended periods of time, um, Jonah, Jonah Heim's going to be healthy to start the season. And you don't know if he's going to go through another thing where he had the injury. He had, um, yeah, the third baseman, uh, the rookie third baseman, his name escapes me at the time. Young. But yeah, yeah, but those guys, all those guys seem like they're going to be healthy. They found an extra bat or two in the outfield. I- I'm a little surprised, just be- and because they won it. I'm pleasantly surprised, but I think part of it is also the fact that, I, as we've talked about on the show, I'm sitting here watching the Astros do nothing, and I'm hearing all these rumors about them getting involved in hater discussions and them yeah, being right. the, the second best odds <laughs> to get a Josh hater and they want to spend more money and add more guys and Crane's sitting on his hands in his checkbook and I'm going maybe that's why I'm a little bit more I was surprised that they were be, to be favored in the division yeah I don't think it's fair to say that uh Crane's cheap though like I didn't I, say he's I, cheap yet he says sitting on his, on his checkbook well, he hasn't done anything he hasn't brought he, back his own and he hasn't gone out and got anybody else uh, of any kind of from the from the position obviously they got a backup catcher that's not a huge where's deal. his payroll at I, I know where his payroll is at in terms of, but he doesn't want to go. Right now, he's showing us he doesn't want to go over that tax. Well, he's a little over it. I mean, the projection's a little bit over it. So, like, their payroll is, is up there with anybody in baseball. They're not the Dodgers. Uh, but I see, I, I hesitate to call Crane cheap. I can't call Crane cheap whenever his current projection's above the competitive balance tax, and he's been top five payrolls in baseball for the last five years. Those are very, I just threw those numbers out there. You can fact check me on that. I don't know if that's 100% accurate, but I would guess that it is. Like, Crane's been up there in terms of payroll. So, like, I'm not going to say that he's cheap. Um, in fact, we were very critical of the Astros offseason last year whenever they spent big money on Rafael Montero. Didn't work all that well. All that well. Uh, big money on Jose Abreu didn't live up to that contract either. And then Michael Brantley, you brought him back and he didn't play for most of the year. So I, I can't call Crane cheap. I don't like the offseason. Like, I'll, I'll meet you in the middle there. I don't like that they're not adding an outfield bat. I don't like that they're not adding another reliever. And maybe they end up doing that. Maybe they're waiting out the market because these relievers aren't going off the board. Like, I think that I think that's what the Astros are doing. I do think that they're going to sign another reliever. I don't think they're going to sign a bat, which I don't like. But I do think that they're going to sign one reliever, and they're waiting out the market to try to get it as cheap as possible. Now, if I look at the Rangers here, Blinkers, their pitching rotation is Nate Eovaldi, Martin Perez, Andrew Heaney, Dan Dunning, and Cody Bradford. That, as of right now, that is not a very good rotation. 
No, and, and Montgomery's still free, so they could sign him. But you're right, and that's kind of what I, I – you know, if, you were, if you're going to have DeGrom and you're going to have Scherzer and you're going to have all those guys and that offensive lineup, maybe that changes it. I don't know. But I, getting back to the Astros for a second, I'm not calling Jim Crane cheap. I'm not saying over the last three, four, five years he hasn't been where he's been, but I'm saying that right now he's sitting on his hands, sitting on his checkbook. He hasn't re-signed any of the relievers, the three relievers that he's got that you're basically assuming are going to walk away. I want a bat. I would love to have them add at least one bat. I would love to see them if those three levers are going to walk away instead of talking in Dana Brown's quote saying they're going to look to try to replace some of those guys or all those guys internally. Maybe you're right. They get one. I'd love to see Naris back. I'd love to see them be able to do some things. And I think there's a difference between, yeah, they spent, but they spent kind of wildly a, a year ago to being able to spend. You can still spend, but spend intelligently enough to where we know there's very few holes to fill on this team, but if you did, it might give you that extra push you need against whoever you play, and that's why it bothers me that they haven't done anything. Yeah, I mean, I hear you on that. I just, I think whenever you say that he's sitting on his on his pocketbook or whatever you said, that, that to me gives the connotation that he's cheap. And the Astros have the sixth highest payroll as of right now and would be pay, paying the competitive balance tax. Like, that's not the sign of an owner who, who's not willing to pay. Now... He hasn't Dude. done anything though. That's what I'm saying. He's sitting on his checkbook because he hasn't he hasn't tried to resign his own, and he hasn't gone out to get what I what I would like to see, and that uh, an he, extra bat. He, he hasn't done that because he doesn't want to spend way over the competitive balance tax. Which right now his projections are half a million over. So it depends on where you look. Spotrac has it half a million over. I think there's others that have it like five million over. So he doesn't want to pay the CBT. He doesn't want to get taxed on his payroll. Okay. There's also ways that you could still. Dana Brown could you can finagle that way, but as what would you do? How would you finagle it? You have to look at your roster. If there's guys you can move to unload some salary, if you have to, if you can make a more beneficial Who? move, Jeremy, I haven't looked at the whole roster yet. I'm just saying there's moves to be made. He, there's they have done nothing, and that's why I'm saying he's sitting on his his checkbook so far. Whether it be try to resign the guys you have or try to bring guys in, so Caratini's not not going to move the needle for me at uh, hardly at all. And and I look at the talent on this team, and maybe this is the last year that this lineup is constructed the way it is, saying they they should be in go for mo, go for it mode for at least one more season. If they could add a bat, if they could make sure that they added to their bullpen enough, you don't have to break the bank, but you could do enough to make sure that your team is complete as as you can make it before the season starts. Yeah, I mean, I I, I wish for that as well. Um, I I, w- I really want a bat. I want another arm. Uh, in fact, I would love to have two arms. Two arms but I can good, also yeah. understand Crane's perspective of I'm already above the competitive balance tax. I'm losing $75 million in this regional sports networks, and I don't want to go way over the competitive balance tax for a middle reliever, for an outfield bat that might not even really be a huge upgrade. So, like, I can understand his perspective. Would I love for him to, like, open up his, his wallet more and, and pay and go way into this competitive balance tax? Well, everybody would love that. Like, everybody wants the absolute best roster that you can have. Uh, but I still think that the Astros are very good. And oh, I, sure. I agree with these odds that I would, I would pick the Astros to win the division before the Rangers would. I believe in the Astros' rotation far more than I believe in the Rangers' rotation. And the Astros are also going to get, like we, we think, they're going to get starters back. Like, who knows? Lance McCullers, you can never count on him, I understand. Luis Garcia, you hope you could count on him. Like, those are two starting pitchers you're going to be adding around the trade deadline. So, like, the way it's staggered is kind of like, it's not. I wouldn't. I don't want to say ideal because you would hope we wish they were they were healthy and not hurt. But it's a pretty nice luxury if you have two pretty good starting pitchers that join you in August and could be like Luis Garcia would be the number two starter in Texas. A healthy Lance McCullers would be equal to Nathan Eovaldi, maybe. Uh, and then you look at that Ranger bullpen. They have Jose Leclerc as their closer. Like whatever. Josh Spores right now is their setup guy. You know whatever. So now their offense is great. Their offense is elite. They're, I think they have the best offense, offense in all of Major yeah. League Baseball. But I also think that the Astros' offense is very good. Like, Yiner hit 25 home runs last year as a rookie. Abreu, whatever, like, wasn't very good. But maybe his second half shows something. Altuve still one of the best second basemen in all of baseball. Bregman, not as good as he once was, but still pretty good. Uh, Pena, who knows? Like, he's kind of showed us two different sides of Jeremy Pena. Like, last year he showed us in the second half that he was more average on base, which I like. Uh, And then what you have Jordan and you have Tucker. So, like, I still think that the Astros are very good, even without – 
adding some necessities to this team. And that's how I would describe it. I don't think that there are, are luxuries, rather. I don't think that there are necessities that are left to fill this roster. They're more luxuries. Well, I, I think that they're very good, too. But I, that's why these odds came out today. And whether he opened his checkbook to go sign somebody or even the fact that they could be exploring. We know how rumors work, but I'd love to, to know that they've been exploring trade possibilities, too. You have a surplus of starting pitching. And based on the health of some of the guys you mentioned and other guys, maybe there's a starter or two if you don't want to go blow the, the competitive balance tax out of the water or go too far over it. He doesn't want to go over it at all. Maybe there's a way you make a trade that way with one of your excess starting pitchers or someone else that might bring back one of those things we're talking about. Yeah, the only one that you could really trade that would get you under the competitive balance tax is maybe Jose Arquiti. Mm-hmm. But like Jose Arquiti's like his arbitration estimate is three point seven million, so it's not like you're going to have tons of savings there. Like you're not going to move a three point seven million dollar contract and be able to go find an outfield bat. You might be able to trade him for like a good reliever that's mm-hmm. making comparable money. But it's not going to be enough to make, like, two to three different changes. No, I'm just saying, but that's at least one of them where they're trying to shore up one of the the, the few holes that we think are deficiencies we think that they should be attacking. Yeah, I just don't see who you're trading, though. Like, I, I'll hear you on the Urquidy-France thing. Like, I, I would be shopping France. I think he was kind of smoking mirrors last year, and I think you could get a pretty good middle reliever for him. But that's not going to net you savings because France is a league minimum guy, and any reliever you're trading for is at best a league minimum guy. So it's a lateral salary for a lateral salary. Like, you're not trading Bregman. They've made that known. You're not trading Altuve. You're not trading Verlander or Bray. He's got an untradeable contract. So does Lance McCullers. Presley's your closer. Rafael Montero you would have to attach assets to. You're not trading Jordan, Kendall Graveman? Maybe. Maybe that's an answer there, but it's taking away from from an area where you want to add to. Javier, no. Like, I just don't know the name that you're trading to, to like, please all masters there. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I, I just I, – I would like to see them more active. I would like to see them exploring more options. But, again, it, it this the odds came out today. I found it interesting. To me, I know the, the offseason isn't over yet. But I, I loved the fact that, like I said, whether you did it or you intentionally or not, it's been an if season to me because it's all ifs, buts, candies, nuts, but they're not even in rumor mill right now, and this team's too good for me that that it doesn't seem like you would have to go too far over to do some things, even if it's just two arms in the bullpen or making sure I mean, that's, one of those guys doesn't gonna, walk. What do you think that would cost you? You can get guys on the open market that are veterans that probably aren't getting the kind of attention they once did. You could find some guys to at least be able to shore up your bullpen instead of telling me that you're going to look for guys internally to try and take the roles of some guys that when you look at Maton's uh, first half of the season last year, when you look at what Naris was able to do, those two guys were pretty effective for you and, and were an Im- impact on, on that, that uh, division title last year. No, I don't disagree with you. But if you if you sign two middle relievers, it's going to cost you at minimum $10 million. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be at minimum 20% of having to pay the tax on the tax because now you're, you're over significantly. So you're adding those two arms and you're adding, what would that be, I guess $12 million-ish? $12 million-ish? Uh, 713-780-ESPN, HRMP listener line, 713-780-3776. Rockets suck again. Why do the Rockets suck again? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5.